On January's podcast, Foundation host Sarah Battersby welcomes guests Tyke Cowden from communities and schools of Chatham County, Ricky Hurtado from Latinx Ed, and Adesia Cheek, current Foundation Scholarship intern, to discuss learning during COVID, what's changed, and where are we going. Adesia is a Durham native and was a Game Plan College Teen Ambassador for the Emily K Center. She's currently at UNC Charlotte, class of 2024. Ricky serves as co-executive director for Latinx Ed, a community that amplifies the lived experiences of Latinx immigrant families to break down educational barriers in North Carolina. Through its programming, Latinx Ed provides targeted, multi-year support to Latinx students and immigrant families striving for higher education and greater opportunity. Tyke serves as Executive Director for Communities in Schools Chatham County, championing a mission to surround students with a network of support, empowering them to stay in school and achieve in life. This organization provides assistance in five critical areas, a one-on-one relationship with a caring adult, a safe place to learn and grow, a marketable skill to use upon graduation, a chance to give back, and a healthy start for a healthy future. On behalf of Triangle Community Foundation, we thank our guests for participating, and we hope you enjoy this month's What Matters podcast episode on education. Welcome, everyone. I'm Sarah Battersby with Triangle Community Foundation, and I'm joined by our guests today, Ty Cowden, Adesia Cheek, and Ricky Hurtado. And we're here to discuss education um, during the COVID-19 pandemic for students K through college. Um, So let's start by talking about how things have changed since the beginning of the pandemic and what you're seeing now. Um, Tyke, do we want to start with you? Sure, I'd love to start us off. First off, uh, uh, thank you for the opportunity to uh, speak about this. Um, uh, I love the work that we do out here in Chatham County. I'm happy to have the opportunity to share um, some insights with you that we've experienced over the last uh, nine months or so. So uh, first off, I, I think of some challenges. And, and the first challenge I think of is, is uh, basic needs not being met and the, uh, what the communities had to do to really try and come together to uh, support families that don't uh, have those uh, access to basic needs, food, uh, toiletries, um, access to mental health services, uh, particularly something that's really stood out uh, for us out here in Siler City is uh, access to technology and, and particularly with our Latinx community, um, uh, parent computer literacy and the, the assumption that um, uh, schools and our school systems have in that every parent knows how to go in and open an email and to navigate these uh, applications that the teachers are using to be able to uh, successfully uh, get into their students' schoolwork and be able to help them. And so uh, that's been something that, that's really stood out to, to us over these last nine months. Um, we have a, a particular student support specialist who's done a fantastic job of being able to work individually with, with parents to help overcome that barrier. However, um, it's very time consuming and uh, there's only a, a handful of folks that have the uh, time and ability to make those connections. And so um, I see that as really being an area of growth. Um, another area in that same vein is uh, parent engagement. Uh, just in general, um, we're working at schools that lack like PTAs or, or parent advisory committees. And so that's something that we really uh, focused on trying to build uh, within the schools that we're working in is to recruit parents to get engaged, to uh, help assist them uh, with understanding 
what engagement looks like to see opportunities that they can um, share their voice. And so uh, that parent voice is something that we've really been trying to build up uh, within, within our network out here in Chatham County. Um, additionally, uh, the challenge continues to be uh, transportation. Uh, we live in a very large county, uh, spread out uh, 704 square miles here in Chatham. And so getting access uh, to those resources that are available is very difficult, especially when you have uh, parents you know, working hours uh, during the day that doesn't give them access to be able to get to where they need to be at the times that those places are open. So transportation um, is, a, is a big one. Child care at home, you're working uh, uh, at, your, at your space and your kids are at home. Um, who's, who's responsible for making sure they're staying on schedule and being consistent and, and especially when there's multiple schedules at play. Uh, mental health is a big concern, uh, particularly with our middle school and high school age students, uh, substance abuse uh, because of that lack of connection. And so that's, that's, those are both areas that we're really focusing on. And then lastly, how can we make up for that learning loss that's been taking place uh, uh, with this disengagement from school and, and what creative ways can we re-engage with those students with a lens on um, social emotional learning and I'll, I'll share a little bit more about that uh, as we move on but those are the those are the main things we're seeing right now out here in Chatham County. Ricky tell us about the students that you work with. Yeah of course uh, thank you Sarah and thank you Triangle Community Foundation for for getting us together to have this really important conversation. Uh, I lead Latinx ed and through that work we're working with uh, Latinx students at the middle school and high school level but particularly high school level and through that work we're seeing really how COVID-19 has impacted their day-to-day -day and week-to-week -week as they really struggle with balance. And what I mean by that is really thinking about how they operate now in this new, new brave world of isolation, but still with the same increasing responsibilities that they see in their life. We see many of our students in a period of time where their responsibilities uh, are increasing as they think about becoming young adults uh, and transitioning from high school to college. And so thinking about where many of our students find themselves in as children of immigrants, as children of essential workers, having newfound responsibilities at home on top of an already stressful semester where they think about thinking about their future and what they wanna do as the next step of their post-secondary education. And so thinking about that balance and responsibility has always been tough, even pre-pandemic, but now you're really beginning to see students make different decisions in terms of Perhaps they were going to move a little farther away from home at a good opportunity for something they want to pursue with their career, but are opting to stay closer to home uh, at, a, at a local community college. We don't see anything wrong with that decision, of course, but it's certainly changing how they're making decisions about the next few years of their lives. We're hopeful that we can continue keeping a support system around them in order for them to be able to follow whatever pathway they had originally intended before the pandemic. Uh, and beyond all of this, of course, is really the the mental health of our students. Uh, I think our students are learning very quickly that uh, without the support of being able to just dip by the counselor's office or a teacher's office uh, in between classes or at the beginning or end of the day, it makes sort of planning a lot of this uh, future planning on top of your coursework really, really difficult. And so the this social aspect to college going behavior is really being challenged right now and something we're keeping a close eye on because we know that FAFSA uh, and application rates are, are, are dipping in certain parts of the country and definitely among pockets of students. And so we're hopeful we can continue supporting them along this way. 
Awesome. I'm in Adesia, as someone who started college during this whole time, I would love to hear from you, your experience, as well as the experience of the students that you know. Well, definitely um, morale has changed. Um, I can talk at least from my experience. Um, there have been times where I thought about not going to college, where I thought about even dropping out of college, um, just because of the changes that we're seeing in society right now. Um, people are getting let off their jobs. People are, the uh, class of 2020 that graduated from college um, having trouble finding jobs. Uh, people having doubt in their own careers and their education. It's those, well, that's something that I've seen uh, increase at least from 2020. Um, as well as the uh, need for more support, um, especially with college students coming in from high school, not knowing what to do, now having a whole semester full of classes online, and with teachers that haven't probably taught online ever before. It's just everyone's trying to learn how to navigate and trying to find their place. That's what I've noticed seems to be really true across the board. I know even at work, we're all wrestling with how to do all these things online and learning new platforms we've never experienced. And um, at the foundation, we were able to open the Student Assistance Fund, which helps our scholarship recipients with non-tuition needs. Um, and we saw a huge um, amount of students ask for assistance with food um, and housing mostly, but also transportation and technology, as we kind of mentioned. Um, and we just got back some reports from students asking how it helps them and, and hearing from from our students that it meant they got to keep their home, that otherwise they wouldn't have been able to stay in their home, um, that they were able to purchase a meal plan, whereas otherwise um, this particular student told us they were, they had to sleep off the hunger. Um, and so that we know that the students we work with have always faced these needs, but now they're really exacerbated. Um, so that moves us into our next kind of section. We've talked about this a little bit, but you know, what are the immediate needs that we're seeing? And especially how can people help? Um, what can they help provide? Who can they donate to? Um, and, and what do you see coming on the horizon in the next six months or so? Yeah, I, I would love to jump in here uh, and, 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 and continue this uh, theme of economic insecurity and how that's impacting the academic learning of our students. Uh, absolutely, everything uh, both, both of you have just shared is true among our students as well. We work with first-generation college students. They'll be the first in their family to go to college. And so both in the high school and college level, we're seeing our students really struggle with this idea of economic insecurity. And if their family is, is not secure economically, they're not either. And so even if they go off to college, uh, I know this is the case where many of our students are still looking for ways to, to chip in and contribute in their household. I know that was the case for me. I'm also a first-generation college student. And when I was at Carolina, I part of my scholarship and excitement every month went home to my to my parents to help pay bills. And when we're enduring an economic crisis like the one we are right now, our students are absolutely thinking not just about themselves and their college classes, but also our mom and dad and brother and sister okay at home. And so that is on top of mind for everyone. So I'm really grateful for TCF for having a fund like that because that is such a lifeline for so many of our students. Uh, I'd say the other thing that's an immediate need, and this was an immediate need before, it will, during and after, right? And it's just really the, the trust and accountability for our students. And what I mean by that is that we're seeing that in places where 
students and parents already had a good relationship with the school and their teachers and counselors. They, Zoom and, and, and virtual learning has actually helped facilitate or lower barriers to participation, right? Because if the structural barriers don't exist, like access to technology and transportation, parents are very eager to help out, right? We're seeing that when those barriers don't exist, they, they wanna be there to support their child succeed. But we also know that when uh, those things don't exist, right? When that bicultural, bilingual support at the school doesn't already exist, or they have not formed that relationship with an administrator or staff or educator, that uh, things have just gotten worse for them during the pandemic. And so thinking about how we build that capital, that trust among our student and parent community and our schools is critically important because that is something that we're gonna need as we transition back to in-person learning eventually. And as we think about what's the future of our schools in general. Okay. Who wants to jump in next? How about Adeja? Do you wanna address this question? An immediate need would be financial assistance. Um, just from the societal impact of COVID-19, uh, there, there's college students that have to work. Um, there's college students that have to pay off all of this, um, these debts and bills later on, even now. Um, luckily, I don't have any loans or anything, but just knowing that other students do and having, uh, I'm sorry, I know it's so confusing. I know that even even for myself with student loans um, and I work in this field and I used to work in financial aid and trying to figure out, am I, pay, am I supposed to pay my student loans this month? And I honestly have no answer yet. I can't find it anywhere. And, you know, knowing that knowing what I know and what to look for is still confusing. And so figuring out how do you how do you navigate all these things? And we're having a lot of students tell us that they got a lease on an apartment and then campus is closed, but they still they're still responsible for the lease. Or, um, you know, they moved off campus so they wouldn't put their elderly family members at risk. Um, and now they're responsible for this lease when they might have lived at home previously. Um, and and how, do they, how do they juggle those things? So it's, it's super challenging. These are hard things to navigate, you know, when you're 18 years old anyway. And now it's extra confusing. There's all these extra levels. And a lot of the supports you might have had, you might have been able to go into an office and talk to someone. And those aren't, those aren't there anymore. I think uh, Deja nailed it on the head. I was talking with my uh, wife uh, last night about just trying to imagine being in high school and graduating last year and then just imagine trying to be in college this first year versus the experiences that I was able, fortunate enough to have and just the, 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 the confusion, like you said, and just the, the unknown, the uncertainty and um, being, being fresh into college. And I, I just, it'd be very overwhelming. So I I definitely uh, empathize with with uh, students, what students are going through right now, and, and it's difficult to imagine. Um, from a from an elementary level, middle school perspective, I'd say uh, social emotional learning is is everything right now. Um, you know the importance of having quiet learning spaces. Uh, if you're in a, a very large um, household, in terms of numbers of folks living in the house, and it's a small space. You know, uh, not everyone has an extra room with a, with a learning environment that, that is uh, quiet and, and secure. And so um, really trying to, to imagine uh, what equity looks like and what the difference between students' experiences while they're working from home um, is. And then again, back to that focus on social emotional learning. Um, you know, a child can't learn if, if their whole self isn't taken care of. So if they're not getting 
uh, the right nutrition that they need, if they're not getting the, uh, the correct uh, exercise and physical play, uh, if they're not uh, connected, you know, they don't have good um, developmental relationships, well, then they're not going to learn to their best, uh, to their fullest capacity and reach their full potential. And so I really feel that it's critical that as we re-enter school or stay virtual, um, that uh, uh, schools really uh, dig deep into understanding students' social emotional needs. And whether that mean uh, increasing uh, teachers' competence with regard to what social emotional learning is uh, or cultural competency, it's a, it's a wide range of needs, certainly. Um, in addition to that, I'd say uh, as a society, we need to better understand what role we want schools to play. And then uh, on the other side of that, what's the role of our community? What resources do we have available in our community that we can uh, take the burden off of the schools from providing? Um, at the schools we work at, you know, we do a program called Backpack Buddies. We partner with the Interfaith Food Shuttle and, uh, you know, 100 kids a week are going home with a food bag. And so the school has become this hub of, of resources and it's not just limited to food. It's uh, in school therapy, it's small groups working on social emotional learning, it's basic needs. So uh, really wide ranging. And I think, um, you know, where we're at now is a perfect time to see uh, how we can make those connections with resources that are available in our community and the needs of the school and our parents, uh, particularly, and how can we leverage uh, what we have available. And I feel like uh, at CIS Chatham and Communities and Schools as a network across the state, you know, we, we can really uh, step into that gap and, and we really see ourselves as connectors and bridge builders and being able to connect those resources with the, with the obvious needs that the school has. So I think really just reimagining what role the school and community plays in the well-being of not just our children, but the parents and our, and our community at large. I think that's a great lead into our next and final question, which is thinking about, you know, even prior to COVID, we knew that many of our students were struggling. They didn't have access to the resources they needed to succeed. And, and during COVID, that's just exacerbated things. So as we've mentioned, many students kind of had the school as a safe place, um, as, a re, as a place where they could receive resources. And during COVID, they haven't been receiving those. And minimally, it means that they may not have had access to basic services. Um, they may have faced you know, abuse at home and, and looking forward to re-engaging in community and, and what that looks like. Um, you know, how do we move forward from here? How do we come back from this? But also, how do we improve on where we were to start with? Yeah, I'd be happy to jump in here uh, and continue the train of thought Tyke was on in terms of serving the whole child uh, and family, quite frankly. I think to begin, I think we, in this conversation and in our communities and across the state, we're, we're if you didn't realize it before, you're certainly realizing now just um, exactly what you said, Sarah, in terms of the, uh, the services and environment that a school provides that goes beyond just the academic learning. Uh, and so making sure that we are not taking that for granted and, and understanding the services that are provided for our children there. At the same time, you know, by no means uh, thinking about uh, prematurely re-entering that space, right? I, I think that we're very much still in, 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 in the worst part of COVID-19. And I think it's, it's important to acknowledge that with many of the students and families we work with uh, that are from immigrant families, are, are some of the ones that are most disproportionately impacted along with black students and families uh, with the, their physical health and COVID-19 in terms of access to care, access to insurance. Many of our families are uninsured. And so 
this is a real uh, balancing act that we have to play in terms of balancing their physical health with the social emotional health of our children. And so when you're faced with such challenges, I think it's really important to, to acknowledge the necessary step that we needed to take to, to go virtual, but at the same time acknowledging uh, why it's so important to, to think about the transition back to our schools, right? And so I think that's where we begin to think about really making sure that turning this around for us means not just going back to business as usual, right? Because there's nothing usual about coming back from a pandemic. I think this is a collective trauma that our communities have suffered. And I think we need to acknowledge that. I, I think that no family has escaped uh, COVID-19. We've all experienced it slightly differently, but we've all been impacted by this pandemic. And so when we are fortunate enough to, to go back in, in a safe way, I hope that we collectively really focus on the whole needs of the child and think about what does it mean for us to acknowledge uh, and really understand that learning is a collective pursuit. And when children are happy and healthy, they will also learn in their school environment and really putting the onus on that as opposed to everything else we think about. When we think about school, we think about the standardized testing, we think about college access and, and the milestones that we typically have to hit, we will reach those collectively, but we need to make sure our children are healthy to make sure they succeed. And Adesia, I'm interested in hearing from you as you think about, you know, what it looks like if you were to be able to return to campus, what would you need? What would really be helpful for you um, when you get there? You know, I think that's having worked in higher ed, I think sometimes we get used to business as usual. We get used to, okay, the freshmen are coming in, we're going to give them these services when they graduate, we're going to give them these services. Um, but, you know, just thinking about working with students, you've been in school almost a whole year and you've never, you know, had on, on campus courses. So what would you need to be successful? What are you looking for? I would need, um, like, just uh, reassurance, um, knowing that my decision to be in college, as well as, like, you know, other decisions that come with that. Like, I moved to Charlotte. I have an apartment. I'm in an apartment. Uh, paying bills, like all this is for something. Like all of this is going towards something. And like building on to what uh, Ricky and Tyke said about um, taking this uh, holistic approach um, with uh, students and families, I feel like that's something that like should be uh, like a necessary thing especially when trying to engage students during this time where there's just a bunch of confusion. Um, because the pandemic didn't just affect education, it affected students' lives, it affected work lives, it affected like peace and like family dynamics. And just officials and education, education system in general, Things a part of that include like what's a part of family and what's a part of what's a part of life. It's not like it's not tangible stuff that you can just fix. It's stuff in society that we've seen like before the pandemic, during the pandemic. Like 2020 wasn't just COVID-19. It was Black Lives Black Lives Matter movements. It was I've seen crazy things happening all over the world. And it's just, for me to be successful, I need to know that the world is going to be okay. 
like not me trying to figure out how to operate in chaos for the like for however long that would be. I really, I really value what uh, Deja is saying. I think it's really critical that uh, we focus on giving students a voice, and it's not a fix that's coming from the top down. Um, and that we we allow students to uh, be empowered, or we provide the opportunities for students to be empowered uh, to share what they really need, because we've we've done it the other way for so long. Uh, so so thank you for for sharing that. And I I, I do agree. It's not just uh, COVID. It's it's many other things as well. And uh, as you mentioned, Black Lives Matter and and just the the ongoing uh, racial injustice in our in our world today. So I'm grateful that you named that. Um, I would say uh, from from our perspective, again, just that focus on social emotional learning as we get back into the building. Uh, if, if so, if not, find out virtual ways to connect with students um, to make sure they're getting that that uh, social emotional aspect of their learning and that that's at the foundation and not a it's, it's a must have and not a oh it's an add on. It's a must have. Um, additionally, I think it's critical that we create additional windows and mirrors uh, for students to. Uh, see themselves being successful um, and, and, and give them examples of people that look like them, that talk like them, that have come up the same way they have, that are now uh, finding success. And um, I, I don't think that is always happening. And so I, I really uh, would emphasize um, um, educators and, and people that have the opportunity to influence young people to, to really try and find windows and mirrors of those, of those youth's experiences and, uh, and the, and the the success that that becomes of that. I think of our neighbors here in Siler City, El Vinculo Hispano. Um, they have a, a high school group, uh, Argulo Latinx Pride, and their high school group. They've just uh, got about five kids off to college, and they've really created a fam, a sense of family over there. And it's through this um, civic engagement. It's by engaging with uh, other uh, civic groups that that uh, represent their same interests. They see themselves in these people that have been successful, and so I just. I just really think that's really critical uh, moving forward. Um, and also lastly, uh, just, just continuing to see things with an equity lens. Not everyone needs the same thing. Um, some need more, some need less. And really to understand what equity is uh, and whether that's education for teachers or our community, um, just to keep that at the, at the front and center. Um, lastly, uh, I think mentorship along with uh, windows and mirrors is a big thing. Let's, let's cultivate leaders that be, can become mentors to our young people, whether that's peer-to-peer -peer mentorship, whether that's adult to uh, youth mentorship, um, just cultivating those environments that people can share their experiences um, to develop that resilience that it's gonna take to get through these, these really challenging times. And, and uh, uh, like I said, I'm, I'm just grateful to hear Adesia's voice and um, uh, to hear that, you know, despite the challenges that, that we are working through this. And, you know, we really wanna do everything we can to support uh, these young people that are, that are going through a, a trauma. Um, but on the other end, there is hope that through this trauma, we can develop this resilience that will make us all, you know, unstoppable going forward. So that's, that's my hope. Absolutely, and Adeja, I really appreciate your point as well about reminding students that what they do matters. Um, so we work with about 300 scholarship recipients at any given point, and we did um, create a GPA waiver during COVID because we knew that worrying about meeting your scholarship GPA is not really what you should be focusing on right now, and then just staying in school is achieving enough. Um, but that does make me think that we need to reach out to our students and remind them that what they're doing is important. And if they have to take time away, it's okay. You know, we, um, we are here, their scholarship will wait for them, and 
uh, what they're doing matters. So I really, I really appreciate all of your input and um, look forward to, you know, moving forward into this, this unknown space, but I hope that it can be better than where we were before and meet all of our students' needs as well as hear their voices. So thank you all so much for joining me today, and I look forward to seeing you on the next episode of What Matters, the podcast. We invite you to visit the websites listed on the screen if you are interested in learning more about and supporting the work Ricky and Tyke are doing in our region. Want to join us in collectively supporting students in the Triangle? Visit our website to learn more about our Fund for the Triangle and become a catalyst for change today.